the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. We're your hosts, Heather and Donnie Mosher. We're still here. We're here. That's crazy. Um... Welcome. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, The Relevant Recovery Radio Show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. I want to tell you about the foundation. It was created to give the public a lot more education and information about addiction and the solution for addiction and alcoholism. And out of that foundation, they uh, had a vision. Larry Wiedekind had a vision to create a detox and recovery program. And so in 2020... The crazy thing is, it's not to make money. No, 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 no. Right? It's Unfortunately, that's the, the ugly piece of, well, Treatment. most of the world, right? But just... <clears throat> people want to make money and he's not in it to make no, money. No, uh, he It's really, a foundation, literally. It's really not even a profit deal. People. And so in 2020, the Matthews Hope Detox and Recovery Program was yeah. born. And we're inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown for our detox portion of our program. It's a 10 to 14 day detox, which is unusual in that in and of itself. Um, but while you're in our detox, we have a full programming. What's a, what's a normal detox? When you went through Three, five or seven days. 17 of them. How many days? I went through three, and it was a seven-day detox. Okay, all right. And uh, it has a very high le- relapse rate. So you guys very do low double efficacy. that time. We do double that time. Um, but a lot of people don't want to go to residential treatment, which is like your 30-day places. Right, 30, 60, 90. And so you got to like leave your family or your job. And, yeah. and so our detox is a wonderful in-between where it's like a, a longer detox, but it's a shorter residential. Like a two-week vacation. But what's awesome is while you're in our detox, it's full programming like a residential and you get IASIS, which is microcurrent neurofeedback six days a week while you're in our detox, which helps you feel better faster. If you want mm-hmm. any information about IASIS, you can find it on our website. But in addition to that, if you successfully discharge from our program, you also get offered free recovery support and free IASIS for up to 24 months after you leave. Mm, ISIS. No. (laughs) Microcurrent neurofeedback at our outpatient clinic and recovery coaching. And we have a relapse prevention app with 24-7 support. There's a whole lot. So they get an app on their phone Mm -hmm. where they can talk to you 24 hours a day. Or other peer coaches on the app or other alumni they went through the program with or didn't go through the program with. It's peer support. It's peer support. Love it. Yes. And and it's anonymous, so you don't have to use your real name if you don't want to. It's like Facebook for yeah. recovery people. Okay. So anyways, we do all of that. So if you or a loved one would like any information about the Matthews Hope Detox Program, please give us a call at 844-AND-HOPE. That's 844-263-4673. Or go to our website, www.mhdrp.org. Or herbert.org. I didn't do that sound last I week, I know you didn't. Way. Uh, and, and if you do give them a call, first of all, you never know, you may actually get Heather. Say, yeah, I'm, I answer and take some time. Say hi. And say you heard us on the podcast yeah, or the radio let show. Let them know that you got us uh, on the radio and they'll hopefully keep paying this bill. <laughs> they can answer any of your questions about addiction or if your loved one or you uh, needs uh, a certain type of help. Yeah, or just, you know, vacation. <laughs> it's not a vacation. Some so time away. Me. I've been to rehab a lot. It's not a vacation. Oh, okay. I've never been. Well, I did when I was a kid. It was so long ago, I don't count. remember. Yeah. Anyway, say your stuff now. 
Um, well, I think that if you're hearing us right now on a Sunday at 1 p.m. in Houston, you're on the right station, KPRC 950. Yeah. We are on Sundays, 1 p.m. Central. You can listen to us also on the iHeartRadio app. KPRC has a channel on there. So globally, I think you could hear us. Um, Any country that has iHeart access. 1 p.m. Central on Sundays, or they they upload us to a podcast. So just go on iHeartRadio app. It's a free app. You can go Mm -hmm. check out Relevant Recovery Radio. Uh, A beautiful thing is is that we just signed a new contract, and we are now going to be broadcast galactically. So (laughs) once Elon Musk gets the ships in the air and they start heading to Mars, we'll be able to reach them. Um, You never know. Maybe aliens have substance use disorder. Wait a minute. Maybe. (laughs) You've seen the way they fly. I don't think it's a question. <laughs> but that good idea, though, uh, any listeners Wait, that if want- they choose to come to this planet, they have a disorder. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I lost my train of thought. Oh, I remember I was going to plug our Facebook and Instagram. So if you would yeah. like to friend us, follow us, like us on Facebook or Instagram uh, or iHeart, you can do it all that. I highly encourage Facebook and Instagram, like and follow the Relevant Recovery Radio Facebook pages because all of our- updates, the most recent info, all of our past episodes, everything is on there. So please go to Re- uh, Relevant Recovery Radio and, and like the page, follow the page. And we did at the end of last month a show with Question Answer. Mm-hmm. The Q&A episode. We had more to hit. And now this is the last uh, recording session of the month for us. Yeah. Do we want to do that next time? Yeah, we can do it next time, next week. So that's another reason to go to Facebook. Uh, besides sending Heather questionable messages, you know, <laughs> send messages and ask questions. If you're curious about anything we've talked about on the show, anything about addiction. Alcoholism. Right. Opiates. Uh, I mean. Benzos. You know, I've been through them all as well. You want to talk about shopping addiction, porn addiction, food, just let me know. We'll, we'll discuss it on the radio. Yeah. Um, so what's our topic today? Do you remember that what I said? <laughs> peculiar mental twist. The peculiar mental twist. The obsession. Why, if I really want to stop an addiction, and, and I, I, are we going to focus on substance? Not particularly. We're, let's use all of them. <clears throat> okay, so why, if I have an addiction, if I have something that's bothering me, and I have the ability to quit for a period of time, and I know it's not good for me, and it's causing consequences... Mm-hmm. Why do I ultimately go back to it every single time? And so let me reword what you just said in a different way for geared to the loved ones of the drug addict or alcoholic. The Oklahomans like, in the you, audience. You have a loved Speak one Oklahoma. in your life and this loved one seems to want to get sober. They've went to rehab or they went to sober living or they've, they've stopped on their own power a few different times or the court kept them sober for them, whatever it is. Right. Well, or, maybe it's or their health or, or they're whatever. Eating, they're eating themselves to death. But let's say they get sober for a time and you think it's going well. You're like, yeah. oh, they're back on track. They're, they're not sick. They got a month or two or a year sober. Yeah. Like, the time do it, doesn't matter. Doing so good. Why do they drink or drug again? Why do they shop again? Why do they eat like that again? Why does the problem come back? And what we're going to talk about is that it's not that a failure of theirs. It's not their fault. The thing that we have learned through this journey so far is that every human being on the planet suffers from some darkness. Everybody's fighting something. Yeah. And what we really want to talk about today is why we seem to go back to it. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio.
Welcome back to Relevant Recovery. <laughs> what? You wanted me to come in Welcome strong back. and powerful. Welcome, Welcome back. back to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're talking about that peculiar mental twist today, yeah. also known as insanity. Why? When I really want to stop something, I need to stop something, I got consequences. Why do, do I go I... back to it? Why? And so I keep asking you that. Why? In the literature, in the 12 step world, the fellowship will call this symptom the mental obsession. Mm. Um, our literature actually doesn't in that exact phrase. And so I wanted to give the other words. Um, our literature calls it a peculiar mental twist. Our literature calls it mental inconsistencies. It also calls it insanity. And it also calls it no choice, lost the power of choice. And so any of those phrases or words is what we're talking about today. But here it is. Here's the short definition. What is it? It's the thought or lack thereof right before you drink or drug after a period of sobriety. Or eat that piece of cake after not eating sugar for a long time. Or <laughs> it'll be different. So swipe that credit card. I'm not saying, what, you the, said I'm not you saying can't. what the idea is yet. I'm right. saying that it's that. It's right before you do that thing. It's the insane thought before it, and we are going to talk about what some of those look like and sound like. Okay. And so what I always teach people when I'm trying to explain this symptom is it's the thought before you do it, but you're Mm -hmm. sober or abstinent from the thing for a period of time. And so you can't blame drinking or drugging on the insane thought. You're sober when you make an insane decision to try the game again. Why are you calling it an insane thought? Because it's not logical or rational. Because you have done this over and over, expecting a different result. And at some point, you know the result's not going to be different, but, but you do but it anyway. So that's why that's it's insane. That's a deeper idea around it that okay. was more like third segment, but okay, we'll go there now. I, wh- I'm just saying. I mean, it, I want to explain as you go along kind of that what, what we mean by insanity. Here, yeah, here's what I mean by insanity. There's a spectrum. Because here's why. In the rooms, what do we hear all the time? Well, oh, the crazy things I did when I was drinking. Right, right, right. Oh. And so that's but th- not the topic. Something different. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of times if you go to a 12-step meeting and the topic is insanity, the topic is actually the thought before you drink or drug again. Mm-hmm. But people don't understand that in our literature or they're new or whatever. And so they'll start sharing about the insane or crazy things they did when they were messed up. And this that's actually time. <laughs> when I lost my pants at a Popeye's drive through I think we heard that recently. <laughs> it really did happen. But anyways, my point is, is that's not the topic. The topic is not the crazy stuff you do when you're not sober. The topic is, you drank again, bro. Yeah. Why? Right. How frustrating is that? To want to be sober, to have a strong desire, to have good willpower around everything else in your life, to promise your family, to go to treatment, to take time out of your life, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The doctor's warning you or you're pregnant or what. you can. Ha- but then you get loaded again. Mm. What is going on? Yeah. That's well, and, and the in, baffling nature of chronic alcoholism or chronic addiction. And our literature says that this symptom that we're talking about today is the crux of the alcoholic and addict problem. And as frustrating as it is for the people around the alcoholic, you mentioned the family, mm-hmm. the loved ones. If you can imagine how frustrated you are as a family or loved one, imagine how frustrated the alcoholic or addict them. is because they don't want to drink or drug Because the family is like, why can't you stop? Or why do you even do it? Or whatever, right? I remember my aunt asking me, like, why would you do heroin? (laughs) You know, why would you go? You just got out of a detox. Why would you go back? And and our literature even says that if you ask the person why, why they did it again, and they said they may give you a hundred different reasons, but the truth is that if they're honest, they're going to tell you they have no idea Right. So when I sit with a newcomer and I'm like, okay, let's look at any period of sobriety you've had in the past, but 
did did it work mm-hmm. or did you drink again, right? And so when you're dissecting that, if I was to say to a newcomer, why did you drink or drug again? They're going to give me a whole bunch of different excuses that they think is the reason, but mm-hmm. it's not. And let's apply this for a moment because we have a, a wide audience. There's 17 people out there that may have different <laughs> addictions. For those of you struggling with something outside of drugs and alcohol, yeah. um, I had this struggle or have this struggle with food. And it's funny, I've been sober almost 10 years. From alcohol. But have struggled with food through the entire 10 years thinking it's a different problem. It's the same problem. It's the same problem. And you've watched me struggle with it. Yeah, it's very different. Um, And I will go on like a run where I am... Disciplined. Clean and sober with food, right? (laughs) Like I'm eating right. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. And then we'll be out somewhere. Something's happening and somebody has cake and I'm in a weak moment. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You'll you'll be doing great for a while and you'll be building confidence, blah, 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 blah. And you're losing weight and you're feeling good. You're afraid of me stepping over that ledge right now, aren't you? But then, no, we'll go out to dinner with our fellowship. Yeah. And the place has like fancy cakes. Yeah. And you'll start to justify it to me. You'll say, hey, I've done really good. I, I can have a piece of cake. I'll get right back on it tomorrow. It's one time. And I tell you that. It's just tonight. It's but, not a big and deal. And you'll justify it because I've yeah. done really good for the last three months or yeah. whatever it is. It's and alcoholics one, do the same thing. Well, I've, I've been sober for a month or one two. One beer. One beer. One beer. Yeah. But usually what happens when I eat that one piece of cake? You do not stop at that one piece of cake. You are, quote, off rails and we're in Whataburger drive through <laughs> in three hours. And it is not okay in our home for weeks until you get so sick of yourself again yep. that you're like, firm resolution, got to get back on the food wagon. And until recently, actually this week I hit, I started, I, I had to start thinking of your food problem. My food addiction the same as alcoholism in that I have a sobriety date on food? my phone, yeah. yes. Um, but, in fact, it was the 21st was 60 days for me. Very cool. And that's 60 days of eating the... But, and, and ladies and gentlemen, it's not a diet per se. It's the way of life that I need to eat that works the best for me. Yeah. Health, weight, all of it. Immune system, everything. And the goal was to seek God to have the power That's to, what stick, I was to, say. to stick with that. Like I wasn't going to say like congratulations to your 60-whatever days because you didn't do it. God did it for you. But Correct. you surrendered yourself enough to God's will in this process that you've done this. 60-something days ago, you and I were sitting in the car, and it's like I just had this revelation like— this is no different than drink. I like, it. but I've been doing this for ten because years. Because here's the deal: you've always had the idea in your mind. Well, I can have a beer every once in a while. Only it was cake, not right. beer. Yeah. You know, you can't have one beer ever. I know that I have the allergy for alcohol, but I couldn't get through my head that I have the allergy for and so sweets. So for you, you literally can't cheat at all on what God is directing you to do with your food life. I have to be abstinent. And. Uh, you have to eat, but you have to be absent from the things that are unhealthy for you. So I have to be abstinent of all carbs. Uh-huh. I cannot take carbs. In. And and, but, and I've been dropping like crazy, and I feel great, and I have energy. And so here's the other thing that I want to talk about, whether you're sober, whether it's food, uh, whether you're recovering from a credit card issue, <clears throat> porn addiction that's ruining your relationship. It doesn't matter. So what's happened in this 60 days, we're going to talk about my food. We'll relate it to alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. Is that I've been riding high, right? I've been doing great. I'm yeah, feeling the pink good. Cloud. My clothes, we started throwing my t shirts in the dryer because I don't even care if they shrink because they're so big <laughs> on me now. Like everything's yeah. great, right? It's just been 60 days. Yeah. This is the danger zone. Yeah. Because I'm feeling good. Most alcoholics do not slide off the bottom, they slide off the top. 
What do we mean by that? When they think they're doing well, they're like, I got it. I got traction. I got momentum. Then the then the mental obsession, then the peculiar mental twist, then the insane idea creeps into your brain. I can just have a beer. Yeah. Or I can just have little kratom. It's not whatever. I can just have a slice of cake that turns into a whole pie from House of Pies. And I'm telling you, like, here's, okay, so we're going to dive into several different types of mental obsession <clears throat> ideas to give yeah. you, you guys examples of what we're talking about because we're speaking a little bit abstract when it comes to drugs and alcohol. But if you are a drug addict like me, then I can almost guarantee you that your mental obsession, your peculiar mental twist will be around alcohol. In other words, you'll tell yourself, well, I just got to stay off heroin or fentanyl or pills or hard drugs, but I can drink. I never really had a problem with drinking. That's a problem? (laughs) I can't drink. At all, because it triggers the allergy and takes me back to drugs. Yeah. A lot of drug addicts think that way and have to relapse a whole lot on alcohol first to learn yeah. that lesson. But if you're alcohol only listening, then you relapse predominantly on prescription medications first, thinking that's okay. Yeah. You have an insane idea that the prescription is justified. You just got to stay off the booze. Right, right. And so you really don't understand the cycle isn't substance specific. Your brain is tricking you to think that. If you have these symptoms, you have to be abstinent from anything you're allergic to. When we talk about the allergy, we're talking about the phenomenon of craving. And that's the difficulty, right? Staying Mm -hmm. abstinent. Staying abstinent. It's not an easy thing to do. In fact, if you're chronic like me and you, Donnie, Mm -hmm. if our listeners are chronic, it's impossible. You've lost the power of choice and the relapse is actually guaranteed. The good thing is that you've lost the power of choice in me and you have an obsession with me. That's pretty fantastic. (laughs) That's a delusion. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio with your hosts, Heather and Donnie. Check it out. Talking about obsession today. <laughs> Insanity. Good. Insanity, obsession. Same All right. thing. So Heather wanted me to talk a little bit about my experience with obsession because we have different experiences. In fact, when you and I were comparing, comparing? some sections. Was that Oklahoma? Have I rubbed off on you? I was trying to talk to you in your language. <laughs> when you and I were comparing uh-huh. uh, different sections of the book, right, mm-hmm. uh, more on alcoholism. Um, we had different ideas of what the obsession was because I had always had this idea. So, Because there's a spectrum. So th- you go ahead is. and explain your My side. piece of the spectrum was that for a long time, uh, I drank and drugged. There was really no, I didn't have a lot of consequences. But when I got into my 30s, I started to get some real consequences. Mm-hmm. Uh, early in my 30s, it was stressing on a marriage, a job, things like that. Late in my 30s, I was arrested. Um and so here's what it would look like is that for a long time, probably mid-20s to mid-30s, I would drink really hard, like hard, like, you know, uh, a handle of crown every day. The amount day doesn't matter. Huh? The amount doesn't matter. But that's just your example. My, it's an example. Mm-hmm. But I would be so hard that by the end of like a month and a half to two months, I'm, I'm in bad shape. So I would stop. And in my mind, because I was stopping the drink, I wasn't an alcoholic. So there's no problem. And mm-hmm. I would quit for like a month or two. Yeah. But I was smoking enough weed every single day to knock down a full-blown elephant. Like mm-hmm. I was smoking every day. But I didn't consider that alcohol. It was different. See? And I want to I 
volley an idea that even if you weren't smoking weed during that period of sobriety, mm-hmm. um, the mental obsession is that you drank again uh, later. Like, it doesn't even matter that you were smoking. You weren't sober the whole time, but you mind, thought you were. But in my mind, I didn't have a problem. Right. Because I could just stop. And I just stop. I wasn't looking at the effect. Like, okay, bro, you have drank so bad for the last month to two months that you have to dry out. Yeah. Okay, so then you fast forward in my late 30s. I battled this for about 10 years. Um, I tried to quit a hundred times. I've, I've done hypnotism. I've done everything to stop drinking. I couldn't stop drinking. And one of the things that I remember about this peculiar mental twist is we used to have this happy hour after work. And so on Thursdays, uh, we were over in the Greenway Plaza area here in Houston, which is Southwest side. And we would go over to this bar that was across the street for happy hour. And I remember like, it's Thursday, happy hour, happy day. <laughs> and I had been pulled aside by my boss on previous occasions and my ex-wife, who mm. both were displeased with my actions and the time I was, I was getting, getting home till 3.34 o'clock in the morning. Your Let's move on. Yeah, they were tired of it. Um, and so here's what I remember. It will be Thursday, 3.30. I'm already thinking about it. Like, I can't wait. I leave at 4 because I don't want to be there too late. Leave the office at 4, get over. And the whole way I'm over there, I'm thinking, okay, I got to just drink beer tonight because Jägermeister is the problem. <laughs> right. It's the problem. That's the alcoholic insanity. And so I just know that I, I can't. So on the way over there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to drink two beers and I'm going home. I'm only drinking beer, maybe three, but I'm, I'm going to go home. I'm not going to drink any shots. Shots are the problem. Shots are the problem. So I get over to the bar. I'm literally thinking as I'm walking in, I'm not doing shots tonight. That's that. This will fix my problem. <laughs> Just doing beer. Just going to drink Coronas. I loved them. So let's go in. And no shots. I go to the bar. I get two Coronas because there's already somebody sitting down. So I got to catch up. You never know where that yeah. waitress is going to be. So I get my two beers. I sit down and I get through a beer and I'm chilling. We're talking and somebody goes, you guys want to do Jägermeister, Jäger bombs? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like no thought. Yeah. No I had just spent an hour or more thinking, I'm not going to do this. And I meant it with every fiber of my being. If yeah. you had to put me on a lie detector test, I meant it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem was that once I sat down and had alcohol in my system, I had little to no control over the amount I was going to take, and I had no ability to not do it. And so your little story right there my, contains... That little story was a little condescending. No, I don't mean it that way. I'm yeah. just saying your story right there contained both symptoms of chronic alcoholism. Number one, it contained the insanity, the peculiar mental twist, yeah, yeah. because you were... You were falsely believing shots were the problem and I'm only going to drink beer and it's only going to be two. It's a yep. lie. You can't execute that. And by <laughs> the way, every time I went through that, it was one more night, three or four <laughs> o'clock in the morning, and I'm dying the so next day. So already your brain, your brain was convincing you it's okay to drink this time. Here's how. Here's how you're going to control and enjoy it this time. So yep. that's the insanity. Before you drank, you were sober here. Yeah. Then once you get to the bar and you have the one or two beers, then it's the allergy that's kicked, which means the phenomenon of craving. You want more. And so that's why you couldn't say no to shots when they asked you. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad I went through that. Yeah. So that when somebody 12-stepped me and they're asking for examples and they're able to, to teach me what the mental twist is, I can go, oh my gosh. And I could recall a hundred stories like that. Yeah. 
which well, I was able to be convinced on my own mm-hmm. that I was an alcoholic. And I teach that all the time when we teach Big Book at the Detox. It's like, here's <laughs> here's some common examples, because it sounds different for everybody, and yep. there's a spectrum. But some of the examples of the insane ideas that we have sober that justify our decision is, it's prescribed to me, so it's fine. Well, it's not, Susan, because you're abusing the crap out of it. <laughs> you're not taking it as prescribed. It is not fine. Um, Susan, most so, people don't chop their Adderall up and snort it. No. So also, uh, the insanity can be, well, everyone has a beer after they mow the yard. It's not a big deal. Or just half a glass of champagne at this wedding. Or I work hard for my money. I deserve to relax. It's just this weekend. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll go to work Monday. Everybody does a little cocaine on the weekend. It's it's all these insane ideas. If you had my life, you'd drink too. If you had my husband or my problems or my children or my childhood, you'd drink too. Now, is this theoretical or theoretical. true? Theoretical. <laughs> Anyways, I thought but, maybe I was the example. And so um, here's what it looked like for me at the end, because because I was a heroin addict and I went much farther down the scale, the spectrum, yeah. if you will. You into, really married up into further insanity. I did not have the delusion that I was going to be able to control and enjoy heroin. I like had, a lady? I had surpassed that. <laughs> yeah. Now, early on, the pills, yeah, during the pills and suboxone phase, I really thought I could control and enjoy it. It was going to be my medicine. It was going to get me well. So that's what my mental obsessions sound like then. But I'm saying yeah. let's fast forward five years to the pit of hell that I found myself in. I knew I could not control and enjoy it. I knew I was going to get kicked out of a sober house and be homeless. I knew I was facing five years in prison. And it was like this effort button. I couldn't not do it. Well, you even talked about leaving a detox when everybody has all these stories about how they're going to do better and all that. And you knew. I knew because I'd been locked up and separated and sober through the sickness so many times that my experience showed me that give me two days or two weeks, I'm loaded again. I didn't know why then. I didn't know this information about the 12-step world, about allergy and insanity. I just knew that's what I did. Here's, here's another example. Like I'm living in a sober house. This is about a year before I actually get sober. Um, and I'm secretly, you know, doing drugs there and I get caught and I get kicked out and I go through that process and I, and I get another desire chip and I go back in and I'm about four days sober and I've been meeting with my sponsor and I'm writing a new four step and I'm, I'm really serious this time. Yeah, I mean it. Swear. I'm really yeah. serious this time. I'm not lying. You could hook me up to a lie detector. And uh, my heroin dealer texts me and he like offers to come get me. Son of a gun. And I'm telling him, no, I really, really, really want to be sober this time. And we kind of negotiate some terms. He offers to come leave it in the mailbox so I don't have to go with him. And I I said, no, I really want to be sober this time. I'm writing this new four-step. He goes, okay, cool. Sorry, I'll leave you alone. And he did leave me alone. Yeah. And I was so, quote, proud of myself, patting myself on the back, going around the sober house, telling everybody how strong I was. Mm -hmm. I was loaded with him four days later in his truck. Yeah, And so when we're talking about this insanity, it is the book says it happens at certain times, not 100% of the time. And so the insanity didn't win that first day, Correct. but the insanity won four days later. Four days later, for whatever reason, I did not have a defense against the first drink or drug. Because truth be told, you're in your first four days of sobriety. You are in white knuckling it. I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says. You're white knuckling oh, yeah. it. You're on borrowed time. You are restless, irritable, and discontented at best. But the other delu- idea, misinformation about mm-hmm. addiction that I want to smash around this mm. is some people will say stupid crap like... If you don't remember your last drink, you haven't had it. Or someone will say, I remember how bad it was. Relapse isn't an option. I'm not going back to that. 
And I'm like, I'm sorry, Susan, but if you're chronic, that won't be sufficient to stop you at a certain time later. Susan seems like a real problem. I'm just saying. I'm sorry if your name is really Susan and you're listening to the show. I'm, just I'm not. Abstractly- I'm not. It sounds like you're a problem. <laughs> Sounds like a Susan problem. Yeah. I'm just saying a lot of people don't understand chronic Susan, addiction. Susan, you go stand in the corner with Karen. <laughs> I'm just saying people don't understand chronic addiction. Yeah. If, if how bad it was a month ago or your willpower or your motivation or your consequences are enough to keep you sober for good, you are not chronic and you don't have this symptom that we're talking about today. Mm, okay. Yeah, and we see it in the fellowship so, a lot. And you people don't, come you in. You don't need the fellowship. Go be sober, Susan. Yeah, be- this Susan is becoming a real problem. Um, we have people that'll come in the rooms and they put the drink down and their life gets exponentially better. Uh, and then they just without hang the out. Steps. They just come in the rooms, right. they hang just, out with the fellowship. They don't work the program. Right. They just put it down. But That's they just what I'm get saying. better. The point is they just put it down mm-hmm. and their life gets exponentially better. And my experience and yours with... Being a chronic alcoholic is that is not the case. Yeah, we don't have a defense against the first drink. And at life does times. not get better. And so when people say, you know, just, For a little bit. just put the plug in the jug yeah. or just don't drink one day at a time, if I had the ability to do that, I would not be in a 12 step fellowship. Right. If you do, I don't know why you're here. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So don't go anywhere because when we get back, now the question is, how did we get where we are? What's like, what finally happened? Yeah. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Relevant Recovery Radio. Oh, hey. Welcome back to Relevant Recovery Radio. Hey, girl. Hey. Sorry, Susan. Yeah, Susan (laughs) is out. We've had enough of Susan. Uh, We're glad you're back with us, uh, Heather and Donnie, with Relevant Recovery Radio. Heather, why are we here? What's that number and who are we doing this for? I'd like to tell you. So we work for the Matthews Hope Foundation, which has a wonderful two-week detox and two-year of free recovery coaching and aftercare program. If you were a loved one, would like any information about our program, give us a call, 844-263-4673, or visit our website at www.mhdrp.org, herbertherp.org. Yep, there you go. All right, so we're talking about the peculiar mental twist the that precedes drink one, drug one, cake one, credit card one, porn one, whatever it is that you struggle with. Because it's not the with. fourth drink or the tenth drink or drug that's your problem. Yeah. It's the fact that you can't leave one alone for good. So let's hear it. So I, there's something interesting in our, in our literature that I absolutely love because we're trying to get into the solution. We've talked about the problem for three segments. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's on and page, Susan. And Susan. Let's I'm see so if we can sorry, help her. Susan. Amends, Susan. I make amends to you. <laughs> no, page 34 says, for those, who, light. for those who are unable to drink moderately, which is not me and you, yeah. says the question is how to stop altogether. Altogether means completely for good and never return to it again. Okay. Okay. Um, but it says, we're assuming, of course, the reader desires to stop. So maybe oh. maybe you don't want to stop. Big question Big there. Question. Because how many people, how many times did you really want to want to stop? Only at the end. But but before that, you wanted oh, to yeah, want Oh, yeah. I wanted to want to stop, but I really just wanted to be happy. And Correct. if that meant with heroin, I was fine with that. <laughs> right. Right. So <laughs> just <stupid>. selfish. <laughs> Just want to, uh, uh, all right, so it says for Go those, stand in the corner with Susan. Listen, so what I'm saying is it says, um, uh, if the question is how to stop altogether, we're assuming, of course, the reader desires to stop. Whether the drinker can stop upon a non-spiritual basis, 
non-spiritual, depends upon the, the extent to which he's lost the power to choose whether he will drink or not. It's a complicated way of wording it, but what it's basically saying is if you have this peculiar mental twist that we're talking about. And you figure that out you figure by that looking, out. the only truth or fact that we have about our lives is our experience. So experience. you have to honestly look at your experience. If you have tried with every fiber of your being and you keep going back, you keep going back, you keep going back, it's possible. Mm-hmm. The re- way I explain it in the detox for anyone who's new and never heard this before, the question is this. Look at your life, your most recent life and your most recent experience. Has your life given you a decently strong reason to leave it alone for good? Mm-hmm. I don't care what the reason is. It can be the family on you. It can be the financial strain. It could be, be, be your health. Yeah. Whatever. Okay? Girlfriend, significant has, other. Questions. Has life given you a reason to stop drinking or doing drugs? And did that reason make you stop for good? Do you love it when people come to the rooms and they're not sure if they're an alcoholic, but they have three DWIs? <laughs> well, I mean, that doesn't mean it. They might just be stupid. But that's a sufficient like problem. That's a sufficient problem. Yeah, get in the corner with Susan. But what I'm saying is the externals don't matter. What you drank, how often you drank, how much you drank, or any consequences doesn't really matter. Because yeah. that's people who went way far down the scale like I did. They don't have to. You never got a DWI, yet you have the same illness I do. But so. I was arrested. Well... But it doesn't matter. I guess what I'm saying, though, is that I wasn't even willing to see the consequences for consequences. Right. It was just the cost of doing business. And so my, That's I, where the honesty kicks yeah. in. You've got to be, be honest. If be honest with themselves, look at your life. Has life given you a strong reason to stop? And did you? And when I ask someone that, that's sitting in my detox, they'll say, yeah. No, you didn't. You drank again. Susan, you're here. <laughs> And they'll, and they'll be like, well, I, I was stopped for three years. <laughs> I hate Susan. Yeah, but you drank again. Yeah. A normal person would not do that. Yeah. A normal person would not do that. That's the crux of the problem. So what I'm saying that page 34 is saying is that if you have this symptom, the insanity where you return to it, it's going to require a spiritual basis to stay stopped. If you do not have this symptom, then your illness has not progressed into chronic territory yet. And all the other non-spiritual things like changing people, places and things and triggers lists and relapse prevention plans and all that, that will work great for you. You'll be able to change your life on your own motivation. So... But if you're like me, none of that will work, and only a spiritual way of life will work. Okay. So the big question that everybody has for you, mm-hmm. because I've seen 80% of people come in the rooms with this same problem. I didn't have it, and I think the only reason I didn't have it is because I truly tried to stop on my own for 10 years, and I just really couldn't. By the time I hit the rooms, I was done. I knew for a fact I couldn't do it. Yeah. And I didn't think the rooms could help me. Yeah. Right? But I did what they said. But you, chronic relapsed, mm-hmm. right? Why at the end? What was the final? What what finally got you sober? Hmm. What was the what was the change? <laughs> there was there was nothing really uh, externally different about when I got sober. Pr- the previous times, I really didn't think the steps could provide anything for me either because mm-hmm. I was arrogant and thought I knew everything about God. Yeah, it's um, a problem. And so, oh, I'm you j- mean back then? Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. And my point is, is that. The difference when I stayed sober versus not staying sober this time since 2016 is the only time I worked all 12 steps honestly, thoroughly and quickly and did what they asked me to do. Um, There was nothing else different externally. Uh, I believed that I had the illness that they said I had from the moment it got taught to me. Yeah. A year and a half prior. 
but I wasn't willing to take any action to do what they were telling me to do. I didn't think these steps would get me sober. I thought it was ridiculous. God's grace. But when I studied the literature and finally went through the steps with a sponsor that was armed with the facts about chronic addiction, chronic illness, yeah. it opened my, my mind because I didn't know why people were happy in the 12-step world, why they were all like- They were faking it. I thought so. Yeah. Um, but she showed me the 10th step promises on page 84 and 85. But, but wait, don't go there so fast um, because I want to talk a minute about God's grace because I think it matters here. Sure. God because gave me willingness to work the steps, since, honestly. Since you and I have been together, and it's not been a long time. Too long. Since, too since long. we've been together, I have, I've struggled, not with drug or alcohol, like no. God removed that, we're good. But I have struggled with food. I've struggled with money. I've struggled with porn addiction. Mm-hmm. And in the end, like today, none of those things plague me right now. For now. It's spiritual whack-a-mole, though. Some, mm. Something will Something will resurface. And that seems to be what it is, is that I don't battle them when I'm seeking God. Yeah. When I'm doing the action. See, the thing is that there's a lot this of This is arguments. also why I don't think people need to be in multiple fellowships. If they fully worked one, God will address all of your issues, all of your selfishness. I don't disagree one bit. Uh, people that do the multi... Yeah, anyway, but the thing is, is that if you are in a 12-step fellowship like we are... Um, people are always like, well, this is not a religious program. You are right. Yeah. You're correct. But it is a spiritual one. It's a spiritual program of action. It's not a spiritual program of thoughts, it's Susan. It's a spiritual program. you got to take action. <laughs> I hate Susan. <laughs> it's a spiritual program of action. And now you and I, we follow, we are in a religion. We are in uh, a belief that yeah. is like... It's like the frosting on a wonderful but cake, right? But see here, right? for me, my belief system never changed. I had the same belief system even when I was shooting dope. I get it. But you developed a belief system that was new for you in sobriety. Right. But what I developed as I worked the steps was a connection to my belief system that I had ne- the connection I had never had before. I but, only had the faith. But what I'm saying is that all of those things are in check for me mm-hmm. today. I don't have that m- mental twister on any of those things that I've always battled. Yeah, but it will. The one thing that is that is going well for me right now is that I am seeking God and I'm doing the spiritual steps, yeah. the spiritual actions. I'm doing that stuff mm-hmm. actively. Yeah. Right. And when I'm doing that, when I'm relying on God, the spirit of the universe, whatever you're comfortable with out there in radio land, when I'm relying on that power, everything's goes to Like truly relying on it. I don't need any of that other yeah. stuff. But that's what's interesting. What segue into what I was saying, my sponsor showed me is that the 10th step is where we're guaranteed to have this higher power remove the insanity. And so step two comes to fruition at step 10. Step two promised me that later in this process, God would remove my insanity or restore me to sanity. And then in step 10, that's when I get restored to sanity. Yeah. And so I was like, what? I never thought I would be able to be around drinks or drugs and not want to do it. But then just that happened by the time I was eight weeks sober. And, and, and no idea what's different. Why? What happened this time? Why is it better this time? And we see it over and over. We see it, Ben, on the last show. You can't explain it My other good than God's ben grace. I don't know. Went went through that relapse nightmare for years, and all of a sudden, boom, he catches it, and the guy is completely different. It's like, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that at the core of what we're talking about is step one, the allergy insanity means I'm kind of screwed. I'm guaranteed to get loaded again. And I but, think once I admit that. But once I understand that, What's great about what we're telling our audience is that we also have a solution to it. There's a really quick, honest, thorough process, a blueprint, if you will, that gets you on a path to be free from that insanity. Today, because I'm connected to God, I wouldn't drink even if I could. Right. I don't want to. 
Well, I've got a protocol just in case. If you drink <laughs> because you're a heroin addict, we're cutting all credit cards within 15 minutes. Anyways, thank you for listening to this episode. We really appreciate our, appreciate our listeners. And don't forget, those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. Hashtag God, God though. though.